0: here's Pastor Scott. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking in verse 28, and the Bible says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. I want to preached to you this morning from a sermon titled everyone needs rest look at somebody and say rest Rest. pray with me God thank you for this time together thank you for your word God I pray as we look to your word today that you would be our teacher by your spirit father I pray that you would anoint me to say things that would be sound doctrine God I pray you give us ears to hear what you say to us this morning God I pray you'd increase our faith give us hope God Lord I thank you for allowing us to impact this community and I pray that you'd raise up more volunteers more servant leaders God more people that would be willing to share your love with this community Father I pray now that as we look to your word guide us Lord fill us with hope is my prayer in Jesus name Amen Everyone needs rest I heard a old preacher say one time that everybody ought to get something out of coming to church even if it's just a good nap and I catch some of y'all sleeping in church, amen? But listen, if you're tired and you need a nap, get you a nap. Unless you sit next to somebody who, who really wants you to stay awake and you're going to get that ribcage damage. Amen. amen? I already told y'all how to nap in church. And it's important that you know how to sleep in church, y'all that are tired because you stay up too late. You don't sleep in church with the chicken bob. Y'all know the chicken bob? No, everybody knows you're sleeping then, and there's some mean-spirited people that come to church that will judge you for taking a nap. I won't judge you for taking a nap. If you're tired, be tired. So here's what you do. I'm going to help you this morning. You you, got to circumvent the evil people that come to church that will judge you from taking a nap. You got to get your base wide, okay? This will help you. You got to get your elbows down on your thighs And hold your face like this. Then your head's not jumping back and forth when when you wake back up. And the overly, you know, judgmental folk won't know that you're sleeping. You can just look like you're praying. Amen? Amen. That's how you take a nap in church. But everybody else, I want you to stay awake right now. Amen? Amen? Try your best to stay awake. I believe God has something to say to us this morning. Now, most of us know that tomorrow is Labor Day. That means these kids are out of school again. They just started back, you know, and now they're just jumping off again, making single-parent job hard. But the the government says that Labor Day is to be set aside on the first Monday in September as a celebration to the contributions workers have made to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of America. So most people, or many people, will be off work tomorrow on Labor Day. Labor Day, no work. <laughs> Labor, not going in. So, I mean, that's just one of the weird things about America. We we park in the driveway and we drive in the parkway. And we don't work on Labor Day. So, you know, America's got issues. But uh, I hope that you're going to do something fun with your family tomorrow. And I hope that you're going to do some type of investment in your family spirituality, but as we celebrate Labor Day tomorrow and all this weekend, uh, many people are doing so without a job. Labor Day is the celebration of the workers of America, but a lot of people don't have a job. Now, to me, and this is why I don't care who, who uh, the politicians are, uh, y'all, y'all know I'm, I'm not focused on politicians, I'm focused on Jesus. It, it don't matter to me who's in the White House because I know who is on the throne in heaven. So, I mean, who, when, you know, our current president, our former president, the presidents behind him all swore up and down that jobs were rising, that the economy was soaring. But I can tell you this because I live in the real world like you do. I, I, I got big light bills and, 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 and stuff to deal with. Uh, I, get, I get, the you know, those, they don't even know, rich people don't even know how much their light bill is. Uh, everybody, else, if you know how much your light bill is, then, then you live in the real world. Yeah. And if, you, if you know that it, it's hard to make it in today's economy, you live in the real world. And no matter what these politicians say on TV, I, I know that there are people that are struggling in our community. I know there are people without jobs. I know that there are people who are hurting. So I want you to pray for our country. Pray for our government. Uh, pray for the economy. Pray, pray for people. If you have a job, be grateful for the job you have. Yeah. Even if it's not the job that you want to have, be thankful for the job that you do have. And please pray for others that don't have a job, that, that God would bless them to get a job. I believe that America, in many ways, is in the worst shape it's ever been in. We got people talking about America getting better and America being great. I think America's got so many problems um, and, and the, the the church is under attack, people bad-mouthing the church all the time. Listen, I'm not, honestly, I'm not a Joel Osteen fan. If that's your boy, then fine. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm not. Uh, see, my, my job is to pastor and oversee this church, and I've given myself for over 35 years to the study of this one book, and I, I believe in sound doctrine, and I don't believe... He has sound doctrine. But when I saw all of the hate coming at him because he didn't open up his church for this hurricane relief deal and people just cursing him out and just bashing on him, and I wish I could have just reached into the computer and said, how many people did you take into your home? How, How many people have you really helped? Because no matter what you think about the dude, Um, I mean, Lakewood Church has done a lot of charitable things for the city of Houston. They've they've stepped up in a a lot of different ways, but as we are celebrating a holiday this week, we need to remember in prayer not just our economy and people that don't have jobs, but we need to remember the people in the state of Texas that don't have homes anymore. I mean, think about that. I mean, homelessness is a problem in America. But think about working class people. I know a lot of people that can't afford homeowner's insurance. uh, And they've lost everything that they have. They were working. They were trying. They were doing their best. They, They weren't out there messing up and doing wrong. And they lost everything they had due to no fault of their own. And the church needs to step up and help people in time of, Disaster, And we're going to be taking up an offering today for the state of Texas and specifically the people in and around Houston that are struggling so bad. One of the uh, ministries that we support every month, and you see these banners across the back wall, and uh, our friends on the map and their newsletters in in the racks over there. One of of our ministry partners is an organization called Samaritan's Purse. And Franklin Graham is is the head of Samaritan's Purse. And all these people are not organizations. They're friends that we have, and God has blessed me to make friends inside Samaritan's Purse. And they give all the money that's turned into them to the on-ground effort. Red Cross takes up over 80% of what you give to the Red Cross in red tape. Do not give money to the Red Cross. Do not give money to the United Way. Their CEOs make over a million dollars a year, and it's not fair. It's not fair to call yourself a charity helping poor people and let your top-level employees make more money than anybody in the world ought to be making to begin with. So I don't give money to the Red Cross. I don't give money to the United Way. When I was in the Army, I did not give money to the combined federal campaign, and I got heat every month from that. We give money to the on-ground effort. We don't give money to organizations that pay a lot of salaries and have big buildings. The people in Houston that need help, they don't need us to give money to folk that have big houses. They need real help. So we're going to be giving money, uh, we give money every month to Samaritan's Purse, but we need to give extra uh, this time. But not only in Texas, I, I, I don't know how much of the world you pay attention to, but the flooding in Texas, the pictures are hard to digest. I mean, it's hard intellectually just to even take it in that, I mean, interstates look like rivers, Houses, neighborhoods completely underwater, sh- traffic signals being slapped by the rushing water going by, flooding just that high. But I don't hear anybody talking about what's going on in Asia, not too much. Now, I, I feel for the 45 people that have lost their lives as a result of Hurricane Harvey, and that number will surely rise. And we need to be praying for people impacted by this in, in and around Houston, the entire state of Texas, but there's been flooding going on uh, this past week and two weeks in Asia uh, and in India, and there are over 30 million people since July that have lost their homes in Asia, and nobody's talking about it. See, we, we, we get news filtered into us on, on what people think news is important. And surely it's important that 45 people have lost their lives in Hurricane Harvey. But over 1,200 people have died in the last month and a half in India as a result of flooding in India. Now, how do 1,200 people's lives not deserve any news but 45 people? See, America thinks America is all there is in the world. But America's not all there is in the world. The people all over the world deserve to be prayed for, loved for, and acknowledged too. Amen? Y'all, y'all, some of y'all shutting down on me already. I want you to have a prayer life. I want us to do what Jesus did. We call ourselves Christians. Jesus said that God anointed him to minister to the brokenhearted. Christians and church people need to be looking out for hurting people, for people who've lost things, for people who are broken hearted. This is the ministry of the Lord. This is the ministry of the church. So as we celebrate this holiday weekend, I hope you'll spend some time in prayer. Taking the day off and calling it Labor Day sounds funny to me, but it does actually make sense. And I've taught my kids this, and I hope you understand it already and teach your children that there is a purpose for taking time off, and it's not to be lazy. There's a purpose for taking a break at work, and it's not to be lazy. It's so that when you are on the job, you are rested and refreshed and giving all that you can give. See, some people take a break, and then they go back and sit in their desk and stay on break. The break is not for the purpose of extending laziness. The break is so that when you're on, you're on. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to be engaged in what you're supposed to be engaged in. When you are eating a meal with your family, I want you to engage in having time with your family when you come home from work i want you to leave work at the job and be engaged in being home with your family we got to learn how to live in the moment when you get a break from work take that break and refresh yourself and be relaxed so you can go back and do everything that your job expects out of you we we are commanded by god to rest remember what God said about creation in the book of Genesis when God created the earth in six days and on the seventh day he rested God wasn't tired God was using the seventh day as a teaching opportunity for his followers that we would learn life can't be all about work now I don't preach this message often because I don't believe that this current culture has a really strong work ethic It's the laziest group of people I've ever seen in my life. I, I, I thank God that I'm, you know, do do not running my lawn maintenance business. I ran a lawn maintenance business for a long time. I've always been by vocational in ministry. I'm still bivocational now. I work outside the church, but I don't have to hire anybody. And I thank God I don't have to hire people to run work in my lawn business anymore because I don't know where I could find somebody that's willing to work. But I don't preach about labor much because I know this current generation thinks work is a dirty four-letter word. But God wants us to understand there's a time and a purpose for everything. Work when you're supposed to work. Rest when you're supposed to rest. And come to church when you're supposed to come to church. Listen to what the Bible says in our book of the month about the Sabbath in Exodus 34 and 21. God said six days thou shalt work. But on the seventh day thou shalt rest now there's a lot of controversy even inside different churches about the day of rest and why Christians in this generation don't follow the Sabbath and why they don't shut down listen I know a lot about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because my dad was a priest in the Mormon Church and they don't spend money on the Sabbath, they, they they shut it down and stay at, stay at home and do real rest. And they condemn Christians for not having the Sabbath. But let's listen to what the Bible says in the New Testament. Because the New Testament doesn't do away with the Old Testament, but it reveals some new things. That's why it's called the New Testament. In Colossians 2.16, the scripture says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. For not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules were only a shadow of the real thing, Christ himself. The rest we enter into as Christians is something that we experience every day. We don't have to shut down for a Sabbath. We need to learn how to rest in our Sabbath Christ every day, all day. Different message for a different time. We'll get to that later. But we, we we don't have to pay attention to certain holy days anymore because we're not trying to appease God by keeping feasts, keeping festivals, or taking the seventh day of the week off as a Sabbath because the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary completely appeased God, and we don't have to do anything for our salvation except believe in Jesus. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9. The Bible says there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. I'm not trying to defend the mandate for taking the Sabbath or taking the Sabbath off. But I see a pattern of rest in the scripture. God wants us to rest and God commands us to rest. For the first five years in the history of this church, I never took a day off. I was busy at the church every day, seven days a week, for the first five years in the history of this church. My pastor friends and my bishop were scolding me every week, every month, every year, saying, You need to take a day off. God said, Take a day off. But... I was young, it was my first and only church I've ever been the senior pastor of, and I thought I had to always be doing something because I was the one making the bulletins. I was the one making we we were making CDs one at a time. I was the one cutting the grass. I was the one cleaning the church, and I was always busy and I should have been taking a day off, but I wasn't. Listen, if you have a strong work ethic like I grew up with, you might be given to uh, being a workaholic. Now, workaholic will have less problems than an alcoholic, but both of them have issues. And we need to learn how to rest. You can't always, some people just don't know how to sit down. Some people come home from work and have to be on a project. Some people just feel like there's always something that needs to be. And I understand that, but if you're that type of person, you need to learn how to shut it down and rest. Now, let me say, that person is one in 794,362,915. Just one out of that. So I'm not anticipating that in this 150 people in this room that there's a lot of that going on. So, the, the, for everybody else, let me say this. Six days, you're supposed to be working. Do work. Look at somebody and say, do work. Do work. The, Bible, the Bible says in Exodus 20, 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Like I said, God wasn't tired on the seventh day. He was just teaching us. That there's a time to work and there's a time to rest. So I see value in the Bible for resting. In 2017, we've been talking about getting serious about getting healthy in 2017. Not just getting healthy because anybody can say I'm going to get healthy. And I knew that I clearly heard from the Lord when I was fasting for what our theme would be for 2017. And it wasn't to get healthy. That's a, that's a byproduct of getting serious about getting healthy. Because a lot of people start diets and don't finish them. Now, everybody knows I love my sister. Everybody knows my sister's my hero. Everybody knows I look up to my big sister. But she's not perfect either. Amen? Amen. And her own children call her the diet dropout. She's been on every diet there is in the world. And she she starts diets and she does really well on them, but then she will drop out. Listen, I'm not criticizing her. I'm just telling you what's going on in her life. I'm not a diet dropout because I'm comfortable being fat. Hey. Everybody can't be skinny. Somebody's got to be lovable. Amen. Hey, hey, I made peace with my fat a long time ago. When I was in the Army, we ran two miles, Monday through Thursday, five miles on Friday. Every week when I was in the Army, I decided when I got out of the Army, I'm through with being in shape. I'm just going to be what I'm going to be. And I love to eat. And I do not love to work out. You say, Oh, we know. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> People start to get in shape physically and then they drop out. People start to get in shape spiritually and then they drop out. People start to get in shape financially. We're going to sit down and make a budget and get our, and then they drop out. See, we don't just need to think about getting healthy in these five areas spiritual, physical, financial, relational, and emotional. We need to get serious about it. We need to get serious about getting healthy in these five areas. First and foremost is spiritually. And spiritually, we've got to understand that rest is a requirement. Now, I can remember when my kids were little, I have boys. And they're active, and I thank God for that. I don't want no little sissy effeminate boys. And so I thank God my boys were active. Uh, don't, don't hate. I'm just talking about me. It takes all kinds. Listen, you you do you, I do me. And we're going to love each other with our differences, amen? But my boys did not like to take naps, and that infuriated me because I needed some peace. I'm like, you lay in that bed and stare at the ceiling. I don't care. But let's, but now they gotten older and gotten a little smarter, and they love to take naps. <laughs> Rest is a good thing. Some of y'all with young kids, you better tell them, Pastor said take a nap. <laughs> Let them learn the joy. Hey, listen, you don't have to tell old people to take a nap. They're just like. Wake up, wake, go, come home from work, come home from work, 5 o'clock, wake up at 6.45. Is, is, is it morning? wonder if it's morning and you late for the job. I'm telling the old people to take it. Uh, we got that part covered. Hey, I can't do all of the Bible, but I know how to rest. <laughs> I, I can get that nap in. L- listen to what the dictionary says rest is. Cessation from work. Exertion or activity. Stop all that action. It's peace, ease, or refreshment resulting from sleep or the cessation of an activity or sleep or quiet relaxation. Look at this for a minute. Refreshment resulting from sleep. Now, here's what I know. Just because you go to sleep don't mean you get refreshed. We need to learn how to turn our minds off and i say me because i struggle with this heavily we need to learn that when it's time to go to sleep we need to ask god to give us sweet sleep and good rest so we can be refreshed and get up for the next days experience and the next days activity all the things we could of all the things we could use in life a little more of rest is at the top of the list. If I would have asked before I talked about this, what do you want to get from God in the next month, in the next week, over the next few days? What would you like God to give you? I don't believe anybody would have said sleep. But I know this for sure. If we, all of us, just the people in this room, if we could get three good nights of sleep this coming week, it changed change our world. If we could just have three days with no drama, just peace all the way at work and at home and a good night's sleep, how good would life be after that? We need to learn how to get refreshment resulting from sleep and cessation of activity. Jesus said great words of encouragement in our text this morning in Matthew 11. And I want us to see three things out of this text that can teach us what God would have us to know. In verse twenty-eight of Matthew eleven, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now I could have used the King James Version because he said, Come unto me, all you who what? Labor. Labor. Then that would have matched up labor day, but I ain't geeky like that. So (laughs) it says, Come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Three things I want us to see. Number one, you got to go to the right place to get what you want. Jesus said, "Come to me." You got to go to the right place to get what you want. When, when I go to Burger King, I don't ask for a bit. Well, I, sometimes I do. I don't ask for a Big Mac unless I'm messing with it. You can't get a Big Mac from Burger King. Anybody know that? Can't get a Whopper from McDonald's. You 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 can't get a Wendy's burger from Chick Fil A. You got to go to the right place to get what you want if I want groceries guess what kind of store I got to go to some of y'all are smart the rest of y'all just crazy if I want to get gas I got to go to a gas station or a food mart with a gas pump in front of it you got to go to the right place to get what you want and if you want to find real rest you need to go to Jesus you're trying to get rest without Jesus your mind is spinning your body is tired Your your, 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 your soul is not in balance. You're you're all off your game. You need to get real rest that comes from the Lord. Jesus said, come to me. What a great invitation. You will never receive a more important invitation to come into somebody's presence than this from Jesus. You're not going to get called. Most people, I don't know. If you've ever been called to meet a president, a a ruler, a celebrity, I don't think, you know, I don't know that LeBron ever called you up and said, Hey, come to me. We're going to hang out. Well, I wouldn't go. to. But now if Kobe called, I'm going. (laughs) Because, you know, he's a real basketball player. But you'll never have a more important person. (laughs) Laughter does good like a medicine. Don't not be like, You ain't going to make me happy in church. So I hate everybody. I know. No, you'll never have a more important person invite you over than Jesus. If an important person tells you, hey, come on with me, you need to go. You need to go, especially if you claim you love that person. I've seen people that turn down an invitation to the White House because they don't agree with the president. Listen, the president, you don't love the president, you don't got to go to his invitation, uh, that's okay. That's, that's your right as a human being. You go to whoever you want to. But if Jesus says, come this way, and you claim to love Jesus when he says, come, you need to come. Amen? Amen? So Jesus invites us to come to him, and this is the right place to get everything, rest and everything else. This is an amazing invitation, and I think that too many times we don't realize How amazing God is. And the things he's done for us. God says that we can come. And be in his presence. That we can come boldly. Just just walk on in. I've got people that. When my door is closed. They'll knock on it. And I don't know why Elder Jimmy can't hear me. When I say come in. He's going deaf. I don't know. A lot of noise out there in the hallway. But I'll say. I only say it once. I say come in. And if they don't come in, that just, that's on them. I, I just, you know, I said come in. And, you know, they I have other people, kids, that, that know pastor got candy for them and at least hugs for them. And they just slam the door wide open, bust on in, come on in. Hey, Pastor. <laughs> Y'all not slick? Well, they ain't in here. They're over there. But they not slick. I know they're not coming in there to talk to me about how my day is. They ain't coming in there to tell me how wonderful I am. They're coming in there for candy. But some people know how to walk into the presence of God, and other people don't even take him up on his offer to walk into his presence. Jesus said, come to me. But if you notice in the verse, see, we got to understand the Bible is a specific book and we've got to follow the word and what the word says. And in this verse, he puts a qualifier on who can come to me. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Now, that's a lot of people, There's a lot of weary people in the world. There's a lot of people carrying burdens. In the world. That's a big crowd. And I'm so glad he didn't make it for a small crowd. I'm glad he didn't say, come to me, all you perfect people who have everything together. Because I couldn't go. And you couldn't go either. And nobody could go because there are no perfect people. I've told y'all before, it just it just makes me want to crash into the sign. These church signs that say, no perfect people welcome. We we we, we only take imperfect. I'm like... Ain't no perfect people driving by your sign looking at that. And nobody's like, oh, I was going to go to that church, but I'm too perfect. Nobody thinks like that. Everybody knows that, hey, listen, you either know that you are tore up from the floor up. You know you are a walking, living train wreck. You at least know you got some issues and you're not perfect. Jesus didn't say, come to me, everybody who's perfect. He said, come to me when you're weary. When you're carrying burdens, and and God showed me a revelation as I prepared this lesson. Uh, God showed me that I'm qualified to go to Jesus. Are you qualified? Are you qualified to go to Jesus? Do you labor? Are you, are, you, are you ever tired? Are you, are you under a strain? Is there a weight on you? Do you carry any burdens? Or is all your life just perfect and easy? If, if, if you have ever labored, if you ever worked, if you're ever tired in your body, in your mind, if you know that there's issues in the world that weigh you down, you need to understand this. You, according to Scripture, with me are qualified to go see Jesus. That's a qualification. You got to admit, Lord, I'm tired. I need help. See, this is why some people don't go to Jesus. They're just proud and confused. I'd say stupid, but it bothers them. They are crazy. It, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know that you need the Lord. You don't know that you're tired. You don't know that you need his peace in your life. But I thank God that I'm in that qualified group. I, see, I already knew I was his kind of guy. Because I read the Bible. I already knew uh, I, I, was, I was his kind of guy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, the Scripture says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. See, when it comes to the people that God calls to come to him, He don't call a lot of awesome people, not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise see people are always saying oh Lord if if God could just save Michael Jackson if God could just save this powerful important person, think all oh, God don't typically save that kind of person he saves weak people he saves pe- he drags people up out of the ditch and out of the gutter washes them clean puts his power in them so the world can know is mean, she doing all that that <laughs> must be a god because she wasn't like that before don't feel bad about being low enough for God to call you, realize that he calls people who don't have it all together. That's why a proud Christian really is an oxymoron. Christians shouldn't be proud. You, you ought to realize you, we, we are the bottom. Before God saved you, if he saved you at all, you, pro- you might be one of these mighty. You might be one of these, Listen, the apostle Paul was one of those people. He was, came for money, all the right education. There's a few of those people that God calls. But most of the ones that God calls, the Bible said, he chooses the off-scouring of the world. Now, the off-scouring is the scum on the bottom of the barrel. You, you go ahead and set out one of the fire barrels. Go ahead and set a barrel out behind your house. You set a trash can out behind your house. Leave it there alone for a couple of years and then go turn it over upside down and see what's all on the bottom. That's the off scouring. If you're saved at all, God probably pulled you up out of something and washed you clean. Is anybody in that crowd this morning? I thank God. That we didn't have to be born on the right side of the tracks. I thank God that we didn't have to be born with a silver spoon in our mouth to be qualified to come to God. If you recognize that God called you and he pulled you up from something, then you are qualified to come into his presence. But he showed me another qualifier in this verse. He said, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. All who are tired. Are you kidding me? Man, I'm so tired, I, 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 could, I could fall asleep standing up right now. Uh, there, there's a lot to do in life as a single parent. I'm sure there's a lot to do in life as two parents. If you have children in your home and you're not tired, you ain't raising them. I had a chaplain in the Army. I, I was a chaplain assistant. I worked for a chaplain to do was a colonel in the United States Army and ignorant as all day long. This man had no idea. He let me do the preaching because he knew he, he didn't have no word in him. and he, he's, a, he's a colonel, and I'm E4, and he got me doing his job. Yeah, that's a different story for a different time. But he had some crazy, wild children, and he didn't like anyone correcting his children. He had the wrong one in me. Don't give me a microphone. Let children be walking around moving. I'm going to call them out and correct them talking in church. And he told me, and some of y'all might have this theory, well, Scott, I just believe that as a parent, it's my job just to keep them safe and provide them the basic physical needs and let them just grow up to be themselves and whatever. That's that's crazy. You're supposed to mold and shape these kids. You better put your hands on them and make them what they need to be. And I told him, and I'll tell you this morning, the Bible says, a child left to himself will bring his parents to shame. I see these kids. just like some of y'all with animals in your house. <laughs> I, I go to uh, people's house and their kids just running around like, like just animals in a zoo. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, yeah, You, you going to do something? You going to see these kids? You know, see you, you you see these children, you're tearing stuff up in here. You've got all that money in the world. You just let them tear your joint up. And they don't even notice it. You know why? That's just normal for them. That's just every day. That drives me crazy. Don't have me over to your house with children running around crazy. You give me a heart attack. I'm not doing it. I went over to this one woman's house one time. We called for a visit. We, me, me and the deacon went over to check, check on this woman. She had... God be my witness, on her count, 47 animals living in her home. Ooh. Let me just break it back down for you. If that didn't shock you out bad enough, it was a single wide trailer. that was about the size of this stage, 47 animals. And about six of them were jumping on me. <laughs> I used to act like I was petting them and poke them. Now I just backhand them off me. Don't have your animal crawling on me. $175 shirt on. I don't need your animal on me. And then this, this is what she told me. Because this big dog. How you going to have a big dog living in your house? This big single-wide trailer. This big dog. I ain't mad at trailers. Happiest time of my life. I lived in a trailer on a dirt patch. Happiest time of my life. But I, I didn't have 47 animals living in there. This dog is all over me. Up in my face. Just I'm pushing it off. It keeps coming on. And here's what she said. Oh, 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 he's okay. He's okay. He's just getting used to I'm thinking, I don't, he's okay. What about me being okay? I'm about to stroke out over here. You know how to take care of your dog. How do we get on dogs? I don't know. I'm tired. And if you work, you'll be tired too. Oh, I know how we got on it. Pa- parenting is exhausting. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Ghost. If you parent. Now, if you just let your children want, run wild like crazy banshees, you ain't tired. Because you're not a parent. You 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 just you just the, the womb or the sperm donor. You ain't parenting them. Because if you parent children. Uh, it's a lot of work to beat them all the time. <laughs> it's a lot of work to be on top of their grades all the time. But that's what parents do. You might not be a parent, but if you work, you're tired too. Amen. You might not even be an adult in this room. Some of y'all teenagers, if, if you're doing everything that God expects out of you, you're tired too. Get up and go, <laughs> my, my 16-year-old Jake has to get up at, at 6 o'clock in the morning to go, what kind of school do we want to start that early? I get good training for people, you know. People, people got to get up be at work at 7 o'clock. I guess it's just good training for being an adult. But if you're a teenager and you're living the life that God wants you to, you're busy doing your schoolwork. You're, you're, you're busy being a positive role model and representing Christ in your school. You're busy saying yes, sir, to your father 300 times a day. Amen. Everybody that's doing something ought to be tired. The good news is if. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you have burdens in your life, you meet that other qualifier. We, uh, we could have a contest in this room right now. Man, when we started the church, probably for the first 10 years, I talked about my O-meter. Everything had an O-meter. If we were talking about, the Bible says, be ye kind. I'd talk about if I had my kind O-meter, I'd just slip it on your neck. And say, Y'all remember that? See how you measure on, if I had a, oh, I wish I had my tired O-meter with me. I put my tired-o-meter, some of y'all will just break it right off the frame. But I'd love to see the people that are just like, and that big flashing light. Lazy person, lazy person. But if I had my tired-o-meter in here, we'd find out that there's a lot of tired people in the world today. And Jesus said, for those people, people living a real life, people are honest with themselves, People carrying burdens in this world. He said, you're qualified. You're qualified to come to Jesus. But knowing that I'm qualified, and even being qualified is not enough. If I want to get real rest, I have to take action. Say action. Action. I got to do what Jesus said. He said, come to me. And if I want to get what he has for me, I've got to go. Second thing I see in our text this morning is rest is a gift from Jesus. Say "Gift." gift. God has lots of gifts that he talks about wanting to give us in the Bible. Not enough people are accessing the gifts that he wants to give us. Rest is a gift that God wants to give you. It's not, it's not something that you earn. It's a gift that you receive, but you got to go to the right place to get this gift and you got to go to Jesus. Uh, Tell the truth. It it'd be nice to get real rest. It'd be nice to have peace in your life. It'd be nice if the drama just Stop for a little bit. I'm serious about that three days. Just three days, no drama. I'd be a new man. Three days, nobody piling burdens on me. I'd I'd be a new man. But if I would learn how to follow the scripture like I ought to, I could get rest from Jesus. And if you would learn to follow the scripture like you ought to, you could get rest from Jesus too. Here's another revelation God gave me as I was preparing this lesson. We serve a generous God. I wonder how you see God in your mind. What is your vision of God? Chuck Swindoll wrote a great book in the 80s uh, uh, about um, uh, how to see God. It was called Grace Awakening. And in that book, Grace Awakening, he said that most Christians see God in one of two ways. Either a yes-faced God or a no-faced God. And I don't want your image of God to be a no-faced God. I had a no-faced image of God for a long time. When I first got saved, I got involved in a very legalistic, task-oriented, us-for and no-more, we're right, everybody else is wrong. Uh, I mean, men, men with short hair, women with long hair, dresses to the floor, hair to the floor, holiness, church and my view of God was really a no-face God. My view of God was some old dude scowling down at the world with a rod in one hand and a lightning bolt in the other hand just waiting to zap me when I did wrong. That's not who God is. If God wanted to zap us, we'd all be zapped. If God wanted to be harsh with us, we'd all be in worse shape than we are. But he, walked, he went through the book and he said, Is that the kind of God you see? A no-face God who just wants to punish and, and, and chastise you. He talked about the other type of God, a yes-face God. A, a, a God sitting on a comfortable chair with his arms wide open saying, come hang out with me and let me give you a whole bunch of good stuff that you need. See, that's who our God is. Our God is a generous God. He is a loving God. He's a gift-giving God. And we need to see God the right kind of way. We need to see that our God is a gift-giving God. He is an awesome God. He, he, he not only did he give us the gift of rest, I was thinking about some other gifts God gave us. The gift of salvation. You can't work. See, a lot of people think you have to work for salvation. you got to go to church to be saved. you got to give tithes to be saved. you got to serve in ministry. None of those things get you saved. They get you blessed. They'll they'll show that you're serious about honoring your father, but salvation, the Bible says, is a gift. In Romans 6, 23, it says that the payment, the penalty for sin is eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life. I wonder, have you received the gift of salvation? The Bible says that as many as received him, he gives them power to become the children of God. I was talking to somebody yesterday about whether or not they were saved, and they said, oh, yeah. I'm a Christian. I said, well, how long you been a Christian? She said, always. I have issue with that because the Bible has an issue with that. Nobody always been a Christian but Jesus. You have not always. If you ask somebody how long they've been a Christian, they say always. You need to understand that they don't understand what the Bible says about salvation. You have to become a child of God. On July 15, 1981, I became a a child of God, when I confessed my sins to God and admitted my need for his gift of eternal life. Not only does God give us the gift of rest, the gift of salvation, he gives us the gift of his spirit to live inside of us. Luke eleven thirteen, God, Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? God wants to give... The gift of His Spirit. He, not just rest and salvation, but, but Jesus said He'd give us anything we ask for if it's in His will and in His name. Then 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the Scripture says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. God puts His Spirit on the inside of every believer. Jesus said when He was leaving His disciples, He said, I have to go away." But when I go away, God is going to send you a comforter. And not only will he be with you like I've been with you, but he'll be inside you. If you're saved, you've got God's spirit living on the inside of you. You didn't have to do any work for that. These are just some of the gifts that our generous God gives us. I want you to totally believe that Jesus is the right place to go to find what you need in life. Rest is what we're talking about. You need rest? Go to Jesus. You can try to take a nap, that's just going to get you physical rest, and it might not even be good rest. You can go to bed early at night, but that might not even be good rest. You can stay asleep all night long, open up your eyes when the alarm clock goes off, and know you slept all night long, but still not feel rested. There's a difference between sleep and sweet sleep. And the Bible says He gives His children that ask for it sweet. Sleep. All this sounds so simple. All this sounds so easy. So why doesn't have everybody have it? Well, let's keep looking. In Matthew 11:29, 29, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle, and you'll find rest for your souls. Last thing I see in our text, you need a yoke and a teachable spirit. You need a yoke and a teachable spirit. This is what Jesus said. He said, take my yoke upon you. Now, I I, I love the word of God. I love how specific it is. I I love how uh, God will use natural things in life to teach us about spiritual things. It's, It's a teaching method called first natural, then spiritual. Jesus would talk to fishermen in fishing terms to get them to understand heavenly truth. He would talk to farmers in agricultural terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. So he says, take my yoke upon you. Listen to what one book says a yoke is. A yoke is a device for joining together two animals consisting of a cross piece and two bow-shaped bow pieces for the head of each animal, one on the left and one on the right. Farmers would take oxen and yoke them up, put two of them tied to each other to get the job done if you want to find rest for your soul you need to understand the rest of God it, it comes with a yoke you can't get it on your own see so many people are trying to run from Jesus so many people are trying to not follow Jesus so many people claim in Christ but aren't yoked up listen listen to what one commentary said about a yoke when training a new animal to plow ancient farmers would yoke a new animal to an older stronger more experienced animal who would bear the burden and guide the young animal through his learning. Jesus is stronger than you are. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus is more able than we are. Can you say amen? amen? The good news is, God. Jesus said, come to me and take my yoke. Get up in this yoke with me and I will give you rest. He didn't say we'd lay down on the job. He said, get yoked up and I will give you. Hey, life gives us a lot of plowing to do. Amen. A lot of heavy lifting to do. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. If I had to, if we had to divide up in pairs, and there was, there was a bunch of heavy tables that had to be moved, or a bunch of heavy TVs that had to be moved, and I was going to divide you up two by two. Listen, I I, I could, i I I'd take Deacon West to be on one side, and i just let him carry it, and I'd act like I was carrying the other side. When you yoked up to somebody stronger than you, bigger than you, more able than you, you don't have to work as hard. You better get yoked up. You're yoked to something. Some of y'all yoked to the wrong people. Some of y'all yoked to the wrong things. You're tied up with the wrong things, and that's creating more labor, more weariness, more burden. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. When we're plowing our way through life, It's a whole lot better when Jesus is plowing with us. I I want you to understand that no human being can live the Christian life except Christ. If you're trying to live the Christian life, but you don't have Jesus next to you, if you're not yoked up side by side with Jesus, you're going to be one tired person. And you're going to fail. And you're going to quit. That's why there's so many people that used to be in church. That's why there's so many people that used to preach, used to teach, used to deek, used to greet, used to serve, used to ush. Where are they at now? They got tired and they fell out because they weren't really yoked to the Lord. I said you need a yoke and a teachable spirit. You can go your own way. But if you get in the yoke with Jesus and try to go in a different direction, he's going to pull you back his way. I love this picture of two ox tied together. Jesus, one ox, he's the big ox. I'm the other ox beside him. I'm the little, cute, cuddly ox. <laughs> and if I try to, you know, you get distracted. Hmm, that looked kind of good over there. That looked kind of hot over there. I'm just thinking, I'm gonna... this big oak over here, this ox, all... <laughs> <laughs> Just pull, I thank God that God keeps his real children on a short lease, and he will pull you back in the right direction. You get yoked up to Jesus, you won't have to worry about... Dri- he, he will keep you on the straight and narrow. He will carry you, he'll carry your load for you, he'll do your work for you, and he'll keep you pulled side by side to him. But if you try to go your own way, if you just say, I ain't getting in this yoke, I ain't having no God, no Bible, no preacher, no people, no anything Tell me what to do, then you're going to be in trouble. You, you, you're going to find yourself going in a completely different area. You've got to be willing to learn from him to be yoked up to him. Because the Bible says two can't walk together unless except they be agreed. You, you get in this yoke with Jesus, and he keeps pulling you in a direction you don't believe you should go, you're going to pull yourself out of that yoke. And you go your way and he'll go his way. That's because you don't have a teachable spirit. you got to have a, a humbleness to you to have a teachable spirit. Too many people think they know everything. And nobody can teach them anything. If, I, I, I like what one preacher did. He, he drew a, a circle on, 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 on a board. And he said, if this circle, inside this circle represents all the knowledge... In the whole wide world, how much of this, shade in the amount of this circle that you believe that you've acquired. Of all the knowledge. And he called somebody up off the front row. They shaded in like the whole top half. (laughs) That gave him an opportunity to teach humility. He said, let me show you what we might be lucky to have acquired. And he just put a dot on there. We don't know everything. And what we do know we were taught, when did you stop having a teachable spirit? If you are going to be the man, the woman, the young person that Jesus wants you to be, you got to take his yoke on you and you got to learn from him. Are you willing to learn from the Lord? Are you willing to be tied up with the Lord? You say, I ain't going to be tied up to nobody. Listen, you're tied up to yourself. You're tied up to your own wants, your own agenda, and you're gonna plunge headlong into hell. Man, if I gotta be yoked up to somebody, I thank God that the Lord lets me be yoked up to Him. Amen. Jesus said, last verse of our text, Jesus said, For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. <laughs> what an incredible thing. What an incredible thing. Listen, if if you have a good marriage. You, if you talk to somebody who's got a good marriage, you you'll hear him say stuff like, "We just fit together. Yeah. It's just my other half. We just, you know, we go together." Well, what did Forrest say? Him and Jenny. What they peas and carrots? They just, they just, you just, just go. Some of y'all smiling. You just know you got your fit. Listen, Jesus said His yoke fits perfectly. It's not a burden to be yoked up to somebody that fits you. It's not a burden to be tied up next to somebody that carries the load. He said, the burden I give you is light. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say you'll never have a burden. He didn't say, come to me and all your troubles and burdens. These lying people on TV trying to get you, these false Prophet preachers on TV that calling themselves prophets, they're preaching for profit, their profit in their pocket. They they're lying, talking about come to Jesus and all your troubles will go away. Listen, anything you hear somebody say, sow, sow a seed today, and God's gonna give you double for your trust, they're, they're just trying to get in your pocket. Amen. Twisting scripture, trying to get money out of you. Listen, if you want to pay your tithes, give an offering, and be blessed financially, do that. If you don't want to do that, don't you be broke if you want to. But it's not that there's no burden. There is a burden for a Christian. There is a burden, but if you're tied up to Jesus, it's a bearable burden. It's a light burden. It's a burden that you can not only stand, but that you can enjoy. Don't, we we got to understand, work is not a punishment. Work was not a punishment for the sin in the garden with Adam and Eve. God gave Adam work to do before they fell in sin. Work is a good thing. You ought to have work. You ought to have something that you feel good about doing. You you ought to feel something. You ought to feel a, a, a certain amount of accomplishment that you do good on your job. It's not that there's no burden for the Christian. It's just that if we yoked up to the Lord, then that's going to be a light burden. People talk about their spouse fitting next to them. Jesus said his yoke fits perfectly. If you have a teachable spirit and you're willing to be yoked up to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're just a match made in heaven. You're just peas and carrots right there with the Lord. Listen, he's sheltering the load. He's carrying the heavy part. You're carrying the light part. Some of y'all have been carrying the heavy part too long. Some of y'all have been carrying... The, 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 the real burden too long. Some of y'all have been, been getting tired under your load. This is how I know people aren't teachable. They're not yoked up to Jesus. When they're serving in the church and they get tired and they can't do what they used to do anymore and they start to fall out, they weren't letting Jesus carry the heavy end. This is why some people need medication just to go to sleep, just to get up. All these new invented diseases with some type of anxiety in them. Listen, get yoked up to the Lord. Let him carry the heavy end, and you won't be collapsing anymore. You won't be under this weight. Jesus said, the burden I give you is light. I wonder, are you carrying your share of the burden? It's the light half, but it is a half. It's the light part, but it is a part. He's going to shoulder the heavy load. But are you willing to do anything for the Lord? It is incredible that we have to use the same four or five people year in and year out to keep the nursery. I've had so many workers in the nursery say, Pastor, in the last church I went to, everyone that kept a kid in the nursery had to take a turn. Can we do that? No. Because I don't want to force people to go in there that won't love on these children. I want people watching children that want to watch children. But some of y'all need to want to watch children. Some of y'all need to say, I'll take a turn in the nursery. It is just unbelievable that we got the same handful, and I thank God for the people that, that are so faithful to serve in our food and clothing ministry because that, that's a lot of work. But some of y'all never, never carried a box of food out to a car for somebody. Listen, we, 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 we need some people with, with able bodies and strong backs to come up here and do some work. You say, well, I ain't trying to do that. I'm a taker, not a giver. What part of that sounds like God to you? What part of that sounds like being a decent human being to you? What part of that sounds like Jesus? None of that. Too many people taking and not giving. Too many people just want want to be consumers but not producers. It's a light burden. But you got to do something. I want to encourage you today to get tied up to Jesus. If you've been carrying heavy burdens, Jesus is calling you today to come to him. To get side by side with him. Follow him. Go his way. Learn from him and let him carry you all the way to the finish line. He knows where he's going. I don't know what my life's going to look like a year from now. I don't know. My kids have asked me, because we pray every night. I put my kids to bed. We pray together as a family. And my kids pray every night to God heal my back. But they've also asked me, when is all this praying going to kick in? And, 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 and I, I want them to understand, and I want you to understand. Sometimes it's just got to be what it is. I could be down. My back has hurt every minute of every day since I had my accident five years ago. Every minute of every day. I love Brother David. He understands chronic pain. He come ask me every Sunday morning when I walk everybody's fellowship, and he come give me some love and ask how my back is. Same answer every time. Same answer. I don't know if my back will be healed by this time next year. But I know this, I'm going to stay in my yoke. I'm going to stay side by side with Jesus. See, I followed the world for too much of my life. I went my own way for too much of my life. There have been times in my Christianity where I just got out of that yoke and went my own way. And it never worked out good for me. It never was the right thing. It never satisfied me. And I had to come crawling back to Jesus and say, Can I get in that yoke by you? Can I walk beside you again? Can I go your way? And he always says yes. He said he's married to the backslider, he never gives up on his children. Some of you have slipped and wiggled your way out of, the, out of the yoke. Get your head back in the game. Get next to Jesus. Follow the Lord. I don't know what my life's going to look like a year from now. But he knows. I don't know exactly how to navigate through every obstacle that life sends me day by day. But he knows. And if I would just stay walking beside him, I'll get to the finish line. And more than anything, more than anything, talked to our administrator about it this week. Thousands of times we've talked about it. She agrees we just want to finish well. Don't you want to finish well for the Lord? Don't you want to know that when the Lord comes back, you're going to be doing what you're supposed to be doing? I've had so many people ask me, Pastor, what if, what, if, what if somebody's drunk when the Lord comes back? Will they still get to go to heaven? That ain't, no, that ain't the question to ask. That ain't how the mind should work. I want to be serving God side by side with Jesus when the Lord comes back so he'll know that I'm there with him. I hope you'll be serving God all the days of your life. Get in the yoke. Get a teachable spirit. Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us a light burden. Thank you for allowing us to come to you. Father, I pray that you would give us a passion to walk side by side. Thank you for being willing to carry the heavy half. Thank you for knowing where you're going. Thank you for letting us walk with you through this life. God, I pray for each Christian in this room who has wiggled away from the yoke. I pray that you would encourage them to come back come back to you come back to faith in christ come back to being who you called created and purposed them to be father i pray that you would increase our fellowship in this church i pray that you'd motivate more people to carry some burden god i pray that you'd motivate some people to get yoked up side by side and let's carry Your message to the world. Let's show the world how great you are. Thank you, God, for allowing us to work with you as you carry the heavy load. We love you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at ALCFnow.com.